You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thank you for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm Claire Gowan. Midterm elections are right around the corner. This election cycle, there are many issues that voters care deeply about, one of which, of course, is the economy. According to most news outlets in recent days, the economy is doing well. But how good is the U.S. economy really? To answer that question, I turned to economist Steve Fazari. I am Steve Fazari, a professor of economics, chair of the Department of Sociology, associate director of the Wiedenbaum Center. The Wiedenbaum Center at WashU supports research related to the economy, government, and public policy. Fazari recently gave a talk for the center that inspired this episode. So let's start with the basics. When most of us think about the economy, we're really thinking about jobs and employment. What's the story with jobs right now? If you look at the unemployment rate, uh, it is now at the lowest level it has been since the 1960s. As of September, that's 3.7%. Historically speaking, a really good number. Most economists say that this number below 4% is, is a very good number. I think the expectation is it's not going to go a whole lot lower than that. Maybe it will, but, but uh, if it didn't, I think people still think this is an economy at the current point that would be operating roughly at full employment. So far, so good. So let's zoom out to the bigger picture. What about GDP? How quickly is the economy growing? Those numbers have been good. The second quarter number of 2018, which is the most recent one we have now, was 4.2%. So it actually grew about a little over 1%, but we basically multiplied by four to get the annualized rate. Again, so far, so good. You know, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good by by those measures. So what does all this have to do with politics? Ahead of the upcoming election, Republican candidates and their supporters have been pointing to these numbers as signs of a job well done by the Trump administration. President Trump himself often makes this claim. The, the president is claiming that the economy is, is, is maybe the best it's ever been, and uh, you know his policies deserve credit. These claims are not entirely accurate, Fazari says, but they're also not super surprising. Presidents always take credit for good economic news, whether their actual policies are responsible for this or not. Uh, My own opinion is that overall, presidents take more credit than they deserve and are uh, saddled with more blame than they deserve for economic performance. Still, for the most part, there seems to be a general consensus out there that the economy is doing well and that the current administration is at least in part responsible. I'd say the mainstream media perspective on this is more or less along these lines, a little bit more nuanced, saying that, well, the economy was on a pretty good path before the president took office, and it's continued on that path, but the president deserves credit for the, the recently good economic news. So with more or less enthusiasm, everyone seems to be generally on the same page. So. Should we stop the episode? Does the conversation end there? Not quite. According to Vizari, this accepted narrative misses something, something important. What this perspective misses is that we lost a lot in the Great Recession. It's been more than 10 years since the beginning of the financial crisis. 
But according to Fazari, no current economic picture is complete without that context. The Great Recession was historic, the biggest downturn in the U.S. economy since the 1930s. What happened beginning in 2007 was simply not like other economic downturns the country has experienced. So usually, or at least if we looked at past experience in recent decades, you'd think, okay, this is bad, but we should snap back. We should pop back to the trend we were on or close to it before. And that's basically what has happened in the last few recessions. It has not happened in the aftermath of the Great Recession. Imagine the U.S. economy as a car. It's sort of a silly analogy, but bear with me for a minute. Before 2007, we were cruising along, feeling good. With the financial crisis, the car screeched to a halt. Right now, it feels like we're cruising again, but we still haven't caught up to where we would have been without that unexpected stop. By various measures, you could say that now, or in the last four or five years even, that we are seeing an economy that's operating 10 to maybe even close to 15% below the trend that had been established before the Great Recession. So in that sense, the economy has never fully recovered from the Great Recession. That was certainly true in the Obama years. Most of that time was when Obama was president, but, the, but nothing much has changed in the, in the Trump years as well. So this idea somehow the greatest economy ever, well, the numbers are good in terms of current unemployment, current growth rates, but we've still lost that, uh, that trend. 10 to 15% of the U.S. economy seems like sort of a nebulous idea, but in real dollars and cents, it's enormous. This is a lot. I mean, this is probably approaching, depending on your estimates, $2 trillion, 10% of a $20 trillion economy. I mean, this is thousands and thousands of dollars for the, American, the average American household. So this is, a, this is a big deal. So here we are, trillions of dollars behind where we would have been had the recession not happened. The question now becomes, is it even possible to catch up? I think it is, but not instantaneously. But how? Well, in order to fix a problem, you need to understand what caused the problem. So let's go back in time. What happened? What caused the Great Recession? That may seem like a huge question in itself to tackle, but according to Fazari, there's actually a pretty quick way you can sum it up. Well, I think there's a pretty obvious answer. Households were borrowing like crazy prior to uh, the, the recession. So really going from my point of view, starting back in the, even the late 1970s, certainly by the mid-1980s, household borrowing and debt-to-income ratios started to just started to rise, and it got extreme in the late 1990s and the early 2000s. When the financial crisis hit, they lost that. The, the borrowing was, was shut down almost immediately. And there was a massive deleveraging, we say, of the household sector with, uh, with defaults and, and, and borrowing dropping dramatically. So if people can't borrow as much money, they can't spend as much money. And that, to me, is the obvious direct cause of the Great Recession. To this day, Fazari argues, household spending has not recovered. He's looked into this in his own work. Our research is measuring what we call household demand, where we're trying to really focus in on the actual cash spending of the household sector. And that's anything that, that, that a household will basically write a check for or use a credit card for to, to pay for. Everything from new house construction to, 
well, everything. Cars and washing machines and meals out and you know, buying the kids' school supplies and just a- a- everything in, in this sense. And, that, and it's that broad measure which is way below the trend that was established before the Great Recession. By this broad measure, U.S. households simply don't spend what they used to. The result, Fazari says, is an economy that is, in reality, more stagnant than it appears. Household spending, the demand from the household sector, which is by far the biggest part of the economy, is still way below the trend that it was following prior to the Great Recession. So so we've lost that demand. Uh, I think it would be good, to, I think we could stimulate our economy more if we, if we were able to regain you know, some of that, uh, that trend of, uh, of household spending. But again, the question is how? How do you get more people to buy more things? And how might a government help make that happen? A large tax cut could help do that, but the tax cut hat would have to be targeted towards the middle income and lower income households who actually recycle most of that back into spending. Higher income households probably still would spend some, but in in, in some ways the least effective tax cut from a tax policy from that point of view is a corporate tax cut. Here's where we get back to the policy and politics side of the discussion. Earlier this year, President Trump and his Republican colleagues passed sweeping tax cuts in an effort, they claimed, to further stimulate the economy. But according to Fazari, those cuts were skewed to mostly benefit corporations. Corporations are an important part of the economy, but they don't directly affect household demand. Uh, corporations are not likely to, you know, to, uh, they're going to go to the grocery store. Instead of creating demand, Fazari explains, Trump's tax policy focuses more on stimulating the supply side of the economy. The idea is that they would use this, uh, this extra money or, or this, uh, take this incentive as a way of saying, well, now if we invest in new plants and equipment, uh, the profits from those uh, activities will be taxed at a lower rate. So this gives us more incentive to expand our productive capacity to increase the supply side of the economy. President Trump claims that the economy is booming and that his policies, in particular the tax cuts, deserve credit. But think about the supply side process that Fazari just explained, and also the fact that these tax cuts have been in place for less than a year. Something doesn't add up. So how long does it take from the time that these tax cuts are passed for businesses to plan this new plant and equipment spending to actually make the orders to get the get the new material, uh, it might even be mean building new factories, uh, you know, I- incorporate that into their productive processes, you know, get their employees trained on the new equipment, and then start to see higher output. Well, it's probably more than a couple of months. In other words, if the tax cuts work as they were designed to work, we wouldn't see the effects yet. It really is too soon to see those supply side factors. I mean, many economists, including me, are somewhat skeptical that this effect is going to be all that large. But, the, you know, the jury has to be out on that, I think, for a few years before we can start to really try to assess the independent effect of these tax cuts on business investment, which, let me tell you, is a difficult thing to do anyway, but certainly very difficult to do in just a few months. All that said, according to Fazari, it is possible that these tax cuts are already affecting the economy. While the majority of the benefits go to corporations, middle-class Americans have seen a slight reduction in their taxes. 
And unlike a corporation, if a person has a little more money in their paycheck, they might go spend that money that week. You can see the effects almost immediately. You're seeing middle-income families on an average getting in the numbers probably $500 to $1,000 uh, at an annual rate in these tax cuts. So you could get some kick to consumption from this. The interesting thing, though, is that, that if that happens, it's likely temporary. It's also not the argument that was used to pass the tax cuts. In fact, if you wanted to stimulate consumer spending, you would have had a very different uh, structure of tax cuts, one that would be much more uh, weighted towards lower middle-income people who are going to spend much more of this. We started this episode out with a question. How good is the U.S. economy, really? So, 15 minutes in or so, 12 minutes? Are we any closer to answering that question? Yeah, my summary of how good the U.S. economy is doing really is is a little bit nuanced, which makes it a little harder to get across in terms of the typical soundbite. So in a kind of narrow sense, this month, this quarter, it's doing pretty well. And about as well as it was doing two years ago. So one of the points I've been making in the talks I've been giving on this topic is, yeah, the economy's doing pretty well. And if you'd asked me, you know, in 2016, how's the economy doing? Yeah, the economy's doing pretty well. So nothing much has changed is the important point here with the big shift in, in economic policy and the shift from President Obama to President Trump. So it's kind of more of the same. What is also more of the same though, is that, is that we haven't regained that trend that we lost in the Great Recession. And in that sense, you know, there, there's something that's, that's missing. And I think that partially explains the frustration people feel. That there is, if you look over a longer horizon, there has been a stagnation. So the answer to how good is the U.S. economy really seems to be something along the lines of it's doing well, but not as well as you think, and not for the reasons you might expect. It's an imprecise and sort of dissatisfying answer, but an important one to understand, especially as we head into the voting booth. I guess to me the, the biggest political message to take away from this whole analysis of, of the last 10 years plus is the claim that somehow the economy is doing dramatically better. And that's a reason to support the direction of the Trump administration. There's really no support for that. If people were making the argument that Trump had ruined the economy, I would push back against that as well. We're basically looking at kind of the same old thing, like I said, 2016 versus 2018 looks looks very similar in terms of the, the, the economy. And to the extent that the big problem of the last decade was the lost trend from the Great Recession that we never got back to, there's, there's nothing in the cards that suggests that the Trump policies are gonna do very much along those lines. Thank you to Steve Fizzari for joining Hold That Thought. For many more ideas to explore, you can always find us at holdthatthought.wustl.edu. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, PRX, and more. On the off chance that this talk of elections is making you feel nostalgic, be sure to revisit our 2016 election episodes, including the hidden history of Trumpism and how to forecast an election. Don't forget to vote on November 6th. And as always, thank you for listening.